Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Kimberly Harrington is the author of But You Seemed So Happy, A Marriage in Pieces and Bits. Kimberly is also the author of Amateur Hour. Her work is included in the collections Keep Scrolling Till You Feel Something, 21 Years of Humor from McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and Merciless and Unpredictable, a McSweeney's Guide to Parenting. She's a columnist and regular contributor to McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and her work has also appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Times, and The Cut. A longtime copywriter and creative director, her clients have included Apple, Nike, and Netflix. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss, but you seemed so happy. Marriage in Pieces and Bits essays. Thanks for having me. And I wanted to say before we start that, you know, like I had a suspicion that my book was under the radar. I was telling a friend that my book felt a little bit under the radar. It's like, you know, you're under the radar when the only list that your book is on is actually under the radar (laughs) books coming out, which was your list. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was great. I was like, I'm not imagining it. 
I just, I still feel this way. I mean, this is a fabulous book and it's really funny and clever and like all the things, but I just haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't think it's been appropriately covered. That's my two cents. Anyway, I didn't mean to perpetuate that with with the listing. (laughs) No, please. Like, thank you so much. When I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is not in my head. I'm not imagining it. It's nowhere. Well, I don't know why. But it's really great. So <laughs> let's talk about it. Okay. So you've decided to discuss your your not only your marriage, but really growing up, your family, how you got to where you are. You've decided to leave your husband's stuff aside and you handled that by the way in such a nice way. Thank you. And examined sort of marriage as a institution and made fun of it and, you know, talked about marriage. Anyway, maybe I should let you just describe it now that I've gone on it. <laughs> What would you say this this book is principally about and why why write it? Why expose your life? Why write it? And tell me about it. That's a good question, isn't it? This book is several things. You know, I think first of all, it's it's a memoir and essays. It's the second memoir and essays that I've written. It's a biography of a marriage and a separation. I'm still not divorced. So it's really about sort of that process. And it's a conceptual examination of marriage, like you mentioned. And it does make it sound really dry. <laughs> like when I explain it at all, all three of those things, it makes it sound dry, but there's a lot of humor in it. And, you know, in terms of why write it, I will be honest and say that I've had that question <laughs> in my head Many times, you know, I think that when I first started, it was it was different in my head. You know, it really started out as a humor book, sort of. You know, I think because I had just written Amateur Hour, which was about motherhood, and it had this sort of similar mix of like conceptual and humor and essay. And that came out mid-2018. And, you know, said I was never going to do that again, that it was just too it's too stressful to write about my life, you know, there was, I find a lot of meaning in it, but it's, it's stressful. I think memoir is really stressful and that probably doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And then six months later, I started this book. So I learned nothing, you know, it was like, well, I don't really, I don't see anything out there about divorce that isn't very much like this women in transition sort of stuff that is not my vibe at all. It's like, I certainly don't see anything funny about it that isn't a little jokey jokey. And even then there's, there's just nothing about that. And I, I get it, you know, hard topics that are culturally seen as bad. Like these are bad things. They will always be bad things. You should never joke about them. I understand why. And I actually understand it more after trying to promote the book (laughs) to be quite honest to like, you know, my feeling during the process was like, well, everyone's getting divorced now. It's a pandemic. Like, you know, (laughs) the the market could not be bigger for this book, but I was shocked at how freaked out culture is around divorce. And it's, it's just stunning to me. Like, this is not new. This is so common. I'm sure because it's seen as a failure and our culture is really freaked out by failure. It's just, it's been really eye-opening. I have to say, like, it's kind of like in hindsight, it makes sense. But in the process, it's, it was just like, wow, really? We're really this freaked out by this still, even though it's so common. So 
You said something in the book about why people consider it a failure if your marriage ends. You're like, life ends? Is it a failure that I lived? Like, it's okay that relationships come to their natural end. Like, why do we judge it so much? You know, I think what ultimately became different about the way I approached the book, I think where I started was why this marriage, which I think is what a lot of divorce books are or memoir about divorce. It's like, why this marriage? Like, whose fault is it? And I ended up in a space of like, why marriage? Like just why in general, like we, we kind of march through life and we accept that this is what we should all be doing. And we're made to feel badly if we don't ever get married. I mean, women who don't get married, choose not to have kids, you know, it's just, it's just, we don't even question, we don't ever get up, start at this level. You know, we don't go above where we are and ask why we do that anyways. And I was really coming at it, not from a place of bitterness. You know, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm never doing that again. That was a big mistake. It's like, that was a, that was a great experience. It was hard. And I had a great relationship with a really great guy, but I don't know why I would ever do that again. Like I've already checked that box and I don't understand the reason why. I mean, I, I get it. I understand it, but it's still really surprising to me that we don't question it more. And we don't try to think of other ways to approach it when it doesn't work out. I mean, to me, that's the the really surprising thing. And I, and I still feel this way. I still feel like, why aren't we doing things the normal person way? My God, like this is absurd, but I don't see how that's better than what we're doing. How would, how would you redo it? Well, I think it's, I think, and I made this point in the book. It's like, when you do something the way everyone else, you know, isn't doing it, Mm -hmm. you feel like a weirdo, which I don't mind. (laughs) That's, that's not unusual to me, but it does wear on you. You know, we still, but if you, if you were to like scratch the whole thing clean, like erase the whole construct of marriage as it exists now. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, like if you were to read it, no, I know you have a unique way of, of handling your divorce and that you're still living together. And then at the time of writing, you were still sharing your bed and you've had it, you put it in your holiday card and (laughs) I I thought it was great. And as someone who has gotten a divorce, I really appreciated a lot of the sections, particularly the one, well, I'll come back to that. But um, (laughs) if you were to use like a contract, like the model you put in here where the contract kind of changes and you have kids and now there are new terms and everything like that, like, would we all get married at all? Like, do you believe that we should partner up in a legal way? I mean, you don't have to answer this and maybe you don't have a view on it, but I don't know. Do you think we're, it's even the right thing to for today's day and age at all? Like, is well, there a I model think, where you re-up every couple of years? Or I don't know, what have you thought about? I think the I think the issue is it's so bound up in actual legal rights. You know, there, there's a layer to it that you can't really get away from. So I think- you know, again, I like, I am not an expert in, in any degree on almost anything. So, I mean, far be it for me to like get into a legal argument about it, but no, I, no, I, no. just, you know, I feel like there's, there's the way our society works that you have to have sort of all of this legal stuff in place, especially if you have kids. But if I set that aside, I feel like the ideal situation is probably where a lot of us started out, like in our twenties, like you didn't live with someone immediately. You kind of had your own space and then you're able to really enjoy being together and you didn't have to deal with the grind of like someone's chewing or, 
disgusting bathroom habits or, or whatever, you know, it's like that to me is like the stuff that starts to grind you down. And I mean, I, I so value having my own space again. I'm so used to it now. And it's funny to me how many women who, because of the pandemic, like whether they were in quarantine or had COVID or their partner had COVID were, were like, you know, it was really nice to have my own room again. It was nice to just sleep. It's like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it is really nice to have your own space. It's crazy. That's another sort of thing. Like, how did we all decide, like who decided to share a bed for the rest of your life? Like, it's impossible to sleep at a certain point. You know, it's it's like these kind of things that got in my head, these really basic things that were like, okay, we're just going to do that and not ask any questions about it whatsoever. That's the stuff that started making me crazy. So I kind of feel like the ideal situation is some sort of separation physically, you know, legally, whatever, I don't know, but just being able to have your own space, your own time away, not feeling like you're just constantly have to be together, do everything together, see each other all the time. I think it's necessary. And I think women especially don't prioritize the time they need just to be, (laughs) just to, you know, have space, have no one in their space, time alone, time to think it's, it solves a lot. It really solves a lot of problems actually, you know, and we just, we don't prioritize it. I agree. Yeah. Time to think. I I did more thinking post-divorce than I did my entire marriage, I think. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I'm exactly. sort of joking, but sort of, you know, not. But don't um, you find it frustrating that there's so much that you you process and it's like, I wish I had had this framework or these questions in the beginning or even in the middle. You know, we kind of just go. We just yeah, go, go, go. That's true. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, you don't know and you don't know until you do it, but anyway. yeah, you don't know till you know. Right. <laughs> You have this chapter that I loved, and I just want to read the beginning, if you don't mind, called Thank You, Acquaintance, for the very good advice on how to save my marriage. And you go, this is amazing. What are the odds? Here I was struggling for years to navigate the disintegration of one of the most foundational and, dare I say, private relationships of my life, a relationship, in fact, that has lasted almost the entirety of my adulthood, which is an interesting contrast to my relationship with you, a person whom I have spoken with twice. (laughs) How I had never thought to consult you, peripheral nobody, for advice is beyond me. Thank goodness you are such a warrior for the sanctity of marriage that you step boldly over the line of of polite discourse to insert yourself into this intimate, intimate area of my life. You are certainly brave and a person who is not reading my social cues right now. Again, I am overcome with gratitude. Thanks. (laughs) I loved that part. And the the whole like subsequent chapter is hilarious because that was one thing I found also is like just the volume of unsolicited advice after decisions had already been made, right? Like I don't need to rethink it now. Like this is, I'm telling you like the end, right? I don't need the feedback now. I mean, I have to say, I didn't get too much of that because of that email that I put in the book that we we just blasted people with the news and my naturally hostile personality for anyone who knows me is like, you're not, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Like I'm telling you, and this is not a negotiation. (laughs) Like you don't need to chime in. You can talk behind my back like normal people do. Like we don't need to work this out. And I do think you know, if I put myself in other people's shoes, because we've all been there when we've heard other people's news, that it is very much, it's fresh to you as the person who's receiving the news. So you feel like, 
Well, 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 like it's kind of like crisis management. And like you said, it's like, no, no, no. I'm telling you how the story ends. Right. I'm not <laughs> inviting you to rewrite some chapters with me. This is like a conclusion and you can accept this news and then you can move on with your night with your life because it affects you in no way. Right. Like <laughs> feel free to progress through your life as you were. And it's just, it's hard because people are they're hearing it. I had to realize that they're hearing it through their own lens. They're hearing it through whether they feel like it's contagious, you know, whether they feel like, well, what does that say about their relationship? They just, they're coming to you with all of their stuff and it has almost nothing to do with you. And once I really, and that's true of everything, you know, I sort of feel like, it doesn't matter what you're announcing, whether it's something that's perceived as bad or good, like an engagement, a divorce, a pregnancy, a miscarriage, a book deal, like people are bringing their stuff to their reaction. <laughs> and it's really, you're just kind of the container for it. It, it helps kind of distance because someone's always going to disappoint you. Like people are always going to pleasantly surprise you and people are always going to disappoint you in those situations. And I, I kind of found like the more I could just disengage and be like, that's you, like, that's not mm -hmm. me. And this isn't, you know, this isn't, we're not workshopping this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You can, you can work through your, your reaction to it on your own without me. Yeah. Going. There. Yeah. <laughs> what about, you um, know, you know, yeah, I get it. I get it. What about the section where you rewrite the ending to when Harry met Sally? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> oh, I loved writing that piece. I didn't know if it was going to work, to be honest. Like it's a little bit of a anomaly in the book. And it gave me the excuse to watch that movie like 10 times to sort out, <laughs> like to sort out, you know, even though I've seen it a bunch, like to sort out the dynamic and sort of the voice of, of those characters. And I think what's really satisfying about it is I've had 
people who read the manuscript like throughout. So they saw the really horrible first draft that had all kinds of issues. And, and that was a much later piece. And hearing people were pretty skeptical of it when they started reading like, yeah, I don't know, and ended up really loving it or feeling even emotional reading it. It was because that's how I felt. I felt like I know format wise, maybe this doesn't quite fit and it feels a little out of left field, but I've loved it. I love that piece. And originally I had a lot of pieces that kind of more overtly traced like popular culture, like the movies I grew up with and how that's such a big part. Like, I don't want to be all like media, you know, blame media for everything, but you know, when you're fed a narrative arc, you're, especially when you're a teenager and over and over and over again, and the only you know, satisfying conclusion is that you get married or you, you know, you're a part of a couple and it it matters. It has an impact. And so that used to, that was a bigger thread in an earlier manuscript and it kind of went away. So I was right on the edge of like, do I still like this piece made more sense when I was talking about movies more, but I'm, I'm glad it stayed in. I I love that piece. I thought it was great. It's just so clever. Like the whole book, the way you did all of it was so creative. It's just a creative approach to the whole thing. Even how you interwove all your, is that even the right word, interwove? All of your own diary entries. Were those real? Those are real. Wow. That was a huge breakthrough in working on the book, I have to say, because when I started writing it, I was really starting from like where I was. And so there was a ton, like a ton of pieces about divorce and a ton of pieces about the the end of my marriage. And they were you know, pretty much more defensive and and angry and like, you know, old man yelling at cloud, like sort of vibe to a lot of those. And kind of in parallel, I had a big box of journals and diaries that I had was going to sort through because I was, I had some time off of work. And, and as I started before, I would kind of dip in and out of them and be like, God, this is so cringe inducing. Like, this is just painful, but I want to read them because I was going to destroy them. I was going to rip them up and just get them out of my life forever. But instead I blasted through them. And when I did that, it's like, oh, this, this story I've been telling myself about who I was when I was a teenager and when I was in my twenties, isn't accurate actually. And I've been telling myself this story the whole time. And so as I read, I was setting aside, you know, I was like transcribing some of those entries and that started to ground it and and make the book go further back. Instead of it just being about the end, it's like, well, I ended up here for a reason. I mean, you can't, you can't game out your whole life and like, oh, this is exactly what happened. But it's like, I did start off with certain ideas and I was a certain type of person and I I wasn't stupid. Like I was kind of, you know, like teenagers, you're so dumb. You don't know anything. It's like, I wasn't that dumb. Like I am still pretty much that person just older. And so I think that that really helped be more forgiving and actually have a more like forgiving approach and forgiving tone to the book overall. But yeah, those are real. Some of them really blew my mind because I haven't read them since I probably wrote them when I was like 17 or whatever. That's on my to-do list. I do have like a bunch of my journals saved and I keep being like, I have to go read them because I bet I'll have some book idea or, you know, I could use them for this or I don't know. So that's, I'm like saving them for a rainy day type of thing. It's, it's worth it. And I really would recommend like plowing through them because I do think you, you, it is painful. I mean, you just, I mean, it's so physically painful at times that you, you just have to walk away from them because you're like, oh, oh my God, this is like, 
embarrassing. It's cringe inducing. You're just, you just want it to stop. Like, like any other, like if someone was punching you, you would want them to stop. And to me, that's how it feels like reading journals from when you're an adolescent, (laughs) but like muscling through really gave me insights that I would not have had if I just kept kind of like every few months dipping in and out of them. And it's, it was really eye-opening, really surprising. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm putting it higher up on my list of things that I might do <laughs> with some free time. You said at the beginning that writing a memoir is really stressful. Is it the actual writing or is it the sharing of the information? Which piece of it is stressful? I think they're stressful in different ways. I think the writing is more satisfying. You know, it can be hard and it can be emotional, but there's something satisfying about it because you're tr- you're trying to sort things out. You're trying, even when it's painful or you can't really remember stuff, like the, even that's just kind of hard in general. It's like, I don't, you know, I had to, I had to write a list of like school years and how old I was to remember when things were happening. You know, I mean, there are things that you like are just frustrating, but I think it's, the writing can be really satisfying and, but it's sharing it that is just nauseating. And the fact that I did it twice is absurd because it's just like, do I not remember how nauseous I felt all the time? And, you know, just, you know, it's one thing to write it and process it and have that satisfaction. It's another thing to, to put it out there and really question like, why did I, (laughs) why did I do that? You know, I mean, it's, I think women especially work in memoir because it feels easy. You know, I think it's like, well, I'm writing about my life. I know how everything ends. Like I know the details and it's like, it is not easy. I mean, that would be one thing I would tell writers who are thinking about that. It's, it's, it's hard it's hard and it's stressful in a way that is hard to articulate, but anyone else I know who does it is like, oh yeah. (laughs) Well, you're really selling the art of memoir here. Let me tell you. (laughs) I know. Don't do it is what I'm saying. (laughs) Do not do it. What other advice would you give for aspiring authors aside from staying far away from what you (laughs) Instead of not doing whatever it is you're doing. I think it would be to really think about what your definition of success is. I think that doesn't get talked about enough to be quite honest. You know, people will see me as having two books out with a big publisher and they think that is, I'm successful. That's all I do now, which is very far from the truth. And I've had to really examine in this year, like what is success? So few authors are successful if we talk about making a living from it. Almost no one does. The price you pay putting, for example, your life in a book and putting it out there and maybe you get attention for a week or two weeks and then it's gone. Years of your work are gone. So I've had to really think through what is success? You know, I think a lot of people are like, I want to write the article that goes viral well, why do you want it to go viral? Because I want to get a book deal. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you get a book deal? Like you're going to write the book. Do you think, like, I think that we just kind of plow through and don't stop and ask, like, is that what I really want? You know, is that, it's a lot of work. So what are you going to sacrifice to write that book? I sacrificed a lot of time with my kids, a lot of focus with my kids. It, like, is that success to me? I don't know. I mean, that's something I'm thinking about. So like, I wish I had clear cut, like craft advice. <laughs> 
but that's not where my head is at. It's a lot about, you know, the machine of like pushing you forward to, to want the book deal, to keep going forward at all costs. And sometimes like writing, first of all, writing and publishing are two different things. I get a lot of satisfaction from writing. That's kind of where I'm back now. And publishing is a totally different animal. And so I think more writers might be happier if they really think about what success is to them. Interesting. Wait, so what are you writing now? Right now, I am stepping way back (laughs) from working, ever working on a book. I mean, maybe I will down the road, but now I'm returning to just shorter pieces when I have time, really spending time working on just more contained things, working on my newsletter, writing what I want to write, basically, you know, not pitching anything. And that's really been satisfying to me. It's it's only been, you know, a month of that. I took a very long break after the book came out. And so I'm only returning to it now, but it's it's like, oh yeah, this is this is where I started. Like this is what I started doing. And I felt really happy and proud when I worked on something that I really loved. And that was the whole experience. <laughs> like it was self-contained. I wrote a thing, I put a thing out, that thing was done. It didn't need to go anywhere else. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to try that again. And so that's been nice, but that's not, our culture doesn't work that way. You, you need to always want something bigger for yourself. Like, what are you even doing if you don't want something bigger? And right now I don't want anything bigger. That's okay. That's right. I'm, yeah. I'm giving you permission, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. (laughs) Wow. Well, this was really fun. I really enjoyed your book, even the title, Marriage and Pieces and Bits. I mean, it's all so clever and well done and smart and thought provoking and creative. I don't know. I thought it was great and I really enjoyed it. So thank Thank you you so much. I really appreciate that. Okay. So hopefully not as under the radar. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.